0: In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Maximize Your Medicare Podcast. While the information on this podcast is believed to be correct, you should verify all facts. Nothing in this podcast is to be construed as financial advice. It is not the offer for you to purchase any instrument or any interest in any financial contract, including but not limited to insurance. The opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and mine alone. They are not affiliated with the Department of Health and Human Services or financial institution. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Maximize Your Medicare podcast. I am Jay. I am the author of Maximize Your Medicare and the host of the Maximize Your Medicare podcast today we're going to have an abbreviated brief podcast about the headlines which you're obviously seeing if you watch the news for about five minutes there this past week the Supreme Court listened to the latest objection to the Affordable Care Act I am, am on record to give my views about the Affordable Care Act which is that once enacted it will be very difficult to put the two toothpaste back into the tube, but that the law as it was originally written would create certain stresses to the carriers who would be faced with applicants who would file a tremendous number of claims, and that would especially be the case for those persons who were not able to afford health insurance in the past, used the subsidy as received from the government in order to pay for the health insurance and premiums. The other persons or other groups that would be under duress are those carriers who sold at a price which was too low. In other words what would happen is that certain groups during the Affordable Care Act could sit outside of the marketplace, sit outside of the state or federal platforms, and they would compete at a price level which could cause them losses because there are applicants who did not qualify for the tax subsidy who could afford health insurance but had substantial health issues to them now all of a sudden they are guaranteed to be accepted by the carrier as a result of the Affordable Care Act, those persons would sign up and file a bunch of claims. On the flip side, the way that the Affordable Care Act would have to hang together, the way that health insurance companies would have to counterbalance this is by having a number, a huge number, of healthy persons paying younger healthy persons Purchase health insurance to counterbalance the number of claims that would have to be paid out. Now, I actually released a video in the past on how to fix Obamacare um, before 2014. And my observation at the time was that, number one, that the set of plans that that are in existence in the state level were in fact too good. And while I understood that you wanted to be able to compare apples to oranges to pears, that the quality of the insurance was so good that those persons who wanted to take the risk, in other words, who were in very good health but want to comply with the law, that the plans were too good and the prices then were too high, those persons would choose to pay the penalty instead of pay premium well that in fact is now occurring and you know part i have not even gotten into the supreme court case yet but what we are seeing now is are the results from the health insurance carriers where while the bottom lines look very good the if you break it out into the individual versus medicare versus group What you're seeing is losses and big ones on the individual insurance side. It's very difficult to tell from the summaries you'll read online to the Affordable Care Act Supreme Court case, what in the world is going bonds, but I'll try to summarize it here for you. The law as it was originally written provides the subsidies for health insurance premiums explicitly for those persons who live in states that have state-specific or state-sponsored website or web portals. For example, in Massachusetts, they have their own, in which case, if you lived in Boston and you signed up for health insurance using the Massachusetts website and you were qualified for the tax subsidy, the law is currently written that 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 person would be able to get the subsidy. That is not the case. For those persons who are using healthcare.gov, which is the much maligned, federally funded, federally created website for health insurance, the Affordable Care Act, as it is is currently written, I'll get the marbles out of my mouth, is that those persons who use healthcare.gov do not qualify for the tax subsidy. Well, of course, as we probably know, you probably know someone out there in our nation, that is not how the law is currently being applied, meaning that persons who are using healthcare.gov are getting the tax subsidy for health insurance premium. The case is debating this point, meaning that those persons who receive the subsidy and use the healthcare.gov are not eligible to receive the subsidy that of course would be a huge problem for the affordable care act because a large number of persons who use healthcare.gov are those persons who receive the tax subsidy in fact my advice to my individual clients my financial planning clients are was that if they do not need to use the subsidy, or if they don't qualify for the subsidy, that they could enroll off Marketplace. And my reasoning was not because I don't like healthcare.gov and I don't like the Affordable Care Act. That was not my reasoning. The reason was because I didn't like the data security breaches that were occurring. Just from a data security point of view, I didn't want somebody typing in their social security number onto healthcare.gov if they could reasonably avoid it. I'm going to finish up the podcast in a couple of moments here, but people ask me, well, what do I think is going to occur? I'll just put it this way. When the original Supreme Court ruling occurred and they deemed that the Affordable Care Act was a tax and that the government has the right to tax, thereby passing or ratifying the Affordable Care Act as a legislative one which could be voted out and not a judicial one, one that the court should be deciding on. Once that toothpaste got out of the tube, it was my thought then, it is my thought now, that it will be very, very difficult to put this toothpaste back into the tube. The question is going to be whether or not the Law is written, was written with the intent to provide the subsidy only for those states that spent the money in order to create their own websites. And whether or not that is the reasoning for how the law was constructed and whether that reasoning makes it a reason to overturn the law. That seems to be the way that the justices are asking the questions with respect to how the law works and whether or not it was originally conceived to be that way. That said, it does come back to my fundamental problem with the Affordable Care Act. While I can understand the motivation. For why you need to have the Affordable Care Act, meaning that we've got all these uninsured people, we can't establish the market clearing price for medical services, and therefore the prices are all inflated, etc., and all of the other problems that occur throughout the health care as well as the health insurance industry. My issue was that a lot of the implementation was pretty sloppy. Well, Reality is that if they had written the law accurately, they could have avoided this problem entirely. Whether or not that was done so intentionally or not, I cannot judge. I can, I wasn't there, but I would just say that this type of sloppiness or this type of detail could have been vetted at the outset, right from the get go. There is, of course, a cynical other side of the coin in this case, which is that, well, the persons or the parties who wrote the Affordable Care Act did this intentionally, meaning that they were trying to create this confusion so it wouldn't be crystal clear to groups so that they would have less, a, less of a basis to object. That is viable, In other words, I could buy that in the sense that this, the way that the Affordable Care Act got passed was said, for example, if you like your insurance, you can keep your insurance. That was never the case, the way that the law was written. And for someone to, so either you could say, well, I didn't know the ramifications of it or that that was not what we meant. Neither of those two is particularly convincing, not in this instance. You could ask me, Jay, why are you mentioning this in a podcast f- titled Your Medicare Podcast? Well, quite simply the following, which is that unlike the individual market, Medicare is far more stable than this. There are 53 million people carrying the red, white, and blue card. There are 10,000 people a day turning 65 every day. The carriers, the federal government, they know who is claiming what, who has what health problems, how many cases there are. The data is almost perfect, meaning that the sellers of health insurance, Medicare Advantage, Medigap, for example, They also have that data, meaning that the pricing of the services in your location is then almost driven purely by competition, which is exactly how the consumers want it. In other words, they know the price, they know how many people face what particular medical situations and how much it costs. That then leaves it to the carriers to fight it out in the marketplace who does that benefit? Ultimately, that benefits the consumers. Bottom line, then, is the, the one-line conclusion to maximize your Medicare, which is that Medicare is the best value for a person's retirement plans to correctly get coverage that can not only help your health in the sense that you can get the services you require But in in addition, it protects your retirement savings and your financial plan. Why? Because the cost of receiving services, if you do not have the proper configuration, can be so high, they can threaten all of the rest of your household financial interests. All of them. And that is the reason, ultimately, that you want to understand Medicare not only today, but also how it changes and adjust to those changes, it's that important. I'll get off the soapbox now. You can read more about my messages in Maximize Your Medicare, new 2015 edition, all with new premiums and co-pays, etc., all up there on the website. I have special new versions or special sections about long-term care and the fact that we don't have a national strategy about it. There are new tidbits about retirement planning and how important Medicare is in the entire process. I'm Jay. Thank you very much for listening, and please tell someone they can subscribe to the Maximize Your Medicare podcast. You can also listen online on www.maximizeyourmedicare.com.